0: You are listening to episode one thirty four of the Mad Chatters podcast, April nineteenth, twenty seventeen.
1: Most everyone's mad here.
0: Hello. <laughs> There and welcome back to another episode of the Mad Chatters podcast. Your very important date with the happenings at Walt Disney World and around the Disney universe. I am Derek, and joining me today are my fellow Chatters, Matthew. Hey there, and Jeremy.
2: I am shooketh. I
0: thought you were going to say, I am jump.
2: Oh, that well, that was my next week uh, one, but oh never shoot. Mind
0: spoiler speaking of spoiler and things to come on this week's show we're going to talk about some big rumors that have hit the disney waves over the last months and years but we're going to talk about them all on this week's show but before we do that we're going to start with a round of the disney fix the disney fix
2: Uh, the disney fix is a little piece of disney that we find in our life and we want to share with each other and with you the disney audience because you might want to find this little slice of disney in your life as well uh so i'm going to go first because i was at the walmart's a couple weeks ago here in uh the midwest and I was just kind of walking around killing some time. And as I was in the electronics section, I was browsing through the films that they have for sale there. And one caught my eye simply because I saw the old school Disneyland logo. And it really, I definitely did like that movie double take where like you're like, what? what? <laughs> and um, it, this is a movie I have never heard of. And maybe you guys have heard of it. Uh, it's called 40 Pounds of Trouble. Have you heard of this movie? No. Okay, so it stars Tony Curtis. And from what I gather, I did not purchase it, but I think I'm going to, just to say I own it. Uh, Tony Curtis, and he's... but uh, what, what I gather is he like falls in love with this woman, but she has a daughter who's like maybe like six, seven, eight years old and weighs forty pounds. So that's where the forty pounds of trouble comes. So he has to like try to bond with the daughter in order to like get in with the mom. You know, it's a classic story. Oh, of course. Uh, but the thing is, he takes her to Disneyland, and so the film is promoted and and advertised as. See all your favorite Disneyland attractions in a new, hilarious way. So I guess throughout the film, it was actually filmed in Disneyland in the 60s. And throughout the movie, all these shenanigans happen on different attractions in old school Disneyland.
0: 40 pounds of trouble. huh?
2: 40 pounds of trouble. It
0: makes it sound like don't bring your kids to Disneyland because they're going to be trouble. It's 40 pounds of trouble
2: yeah it says the film was shot on location at Disneyland and Lake Tahoe and it is a retelling of Damon Runyon's story Little Miss Mark it was filmed in 1962 uh, blah 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 in Disneyland um, there's only one thing on Wikipedia under the critical reception and it says this 40 Pounds of Trouble is, witless, is a witless remake of a Runyon story blunt promotion thin humor filled script the trouble with Forty Pounds of Trouble is that it is just too ha- uh hackneyed? hackneyed, yeah. It is too hackneyed and dull. Uh, so that's what stopped me from spending the eight dollars on the film was <laughs> the dull part. But I may buy it just like I said, if for nothing else, just to see some old footage of Disneyland.
0: The next time we're all together we should pitch in, buy it, and then film like a sort of mystery science theater three thousand. <laughs> type of show as we watch it. That would be ah.
2: amazing. Let's do that. It's
0: going to be like one scene shot in the parking lot of Disneyland and the other 90 minutes shot at Lake Tahoe.
2: Yeah. No, I, I looked up, um, like, like I said, I looked up a lot of things online about it because I, you know, being Disney fans like we are, we're, we're pretty much used to these kind of things. Like we, we know... Oh, that was at Disneyland. This TV show was at Disneyland. I remember seeing that. So to find out there was a whole movie that a large part of the plot took place in Disneyland, I was like, what? Yeah. So I looked up a lot of pictures and they are at a lot of different places around the park. So check out your local Walmarts.
0: One thing I wanted to talk about for my pick at the Dis- of the Disney fix is all of the celebration things that have been happening in Paris. And on April 12th, they celebrated their big 25th anniversary, and they had, like, some sort of flash mob, um, and they had a few other celebrations going on. But the thing I wanted to talk about was the Grand Celebration Cavalcade. Have you guys seen videos of this or pictures at all?
2: I probably did, but I just didn't know it was called a Cavalcade.
0: It was called a Cavalcade because it was just straight-up characters in the entire parade. It was about two minutes long. And the video I saw was from mousesteps.com. She was there and she recorded the entire cavalcade. I think she recorded it twice from two of her angles. And if you go to mousesteps.com, you can watch this video. You guys, it is amazing. She reported that in her 40 years of reporting in Disney parks, this was the single best um, sort of celebration or parade or any type show that she's ever seen at a Disney park. So this thing plays this really, really catchy song called Every Day is a Celebration, which I guess is the theme song of the 25th anniversary, which is now launched over in Paris. Uh, I thought it was kind of odd that the entire song is in English. Is the, I guess that's normal?
1: Yeah, I saw the little Mickey Mouse saying bye-bye
0: to people, and he was in English too. It's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. So what happens is, uh, it's just... I mean, there had to have been 200 performers, if not more, in this parade. And there would be, like, five or six dancers dressed in costumes that were themed to the different lands. So you have, you know, women and men who look like they're from the turn of the century America. And then later on, you have women and men in, like, cowboy costumes for Frontierland. And then you have some men and women in, like, Tomorrowland alien steampunk type costumes. But broken up in between these people were so many characters i bet you couldn't even name a character in a movie that was not in this parade okay that's probably not true but i'm just gonna read off i was watching the video and i was just writing these down as i saw them from the beginning you had merlin prince john thumper oswald the three little pigs the aristocats and all three were wearing like a lot of them were wearing main street usa type um, straw hats with like hmm. stripes around the top, you know. Um, Robin Hood and Friar Tuck, Darkwing Duck, oh. The Rescuers. Um, what's the pilot from DuckTales? Launchpad. Launchpad. Launchpad was in it. Come on. Uh, sorry. Roger and Jessica Rabbit were in it. Brer Bear and Brer Fox. Mulan was there with her prince. I, I don't even remember his name. Like Shang? Shang? yeah shang sure.
2: shang Chong. that's it yes <laughs> that, i'm sure that's
0: not offensive <laughs> <laughs> no, i think it is shang um pocahontas was with miko the raccoon bullseye was in it from toy story 2 or toys yeah toy story 2 hercules and meg Cusco, um the uh jester from hunchback of notre dame i'm blanking on his name
2: chopin uh, the sea yeah clopin clopin, clopin. yeah yes, 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 yes.
0: Um, the Ratatouille characters, the Sultan from Aladdin, was walking down the street. Oh, you're gonna tell us! You're gonna tell us all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was. I'm skipping over the classic, obvious ones, like the dwarves. The Sultan. Let me. Okay, let me name the rarest of all. First of all, Milo from Atlantis was in this. Oh. That's interesting. Lewis and Wilbur. From Meet the Robinsons. Okay. Chicken Little. Jim. Jim Hawkins and his robot friend Ben, or B-E-N, or whatever he is. Yeah. And then from Stitch's Great Escape. Uh, Stitch's Great Escape, help us. From that, Lilo and Stitch, it was like five different aliens, plus um, Pleakley, the really skinny one, who... Uh, yeah. The, the doctor, he, but he's wearing like his wig costume, where they went to the Luau, and he was in... Disguise. Awesome. It, it just went on and on and no, Matt, I will not name all of them, but it's a ten-minute parade, and I cannot believe how many characters were there were, and they all knew the choreography, so they were clapping and dancing to the music, and it was cool. And I just hope they do something like it for the fiftieth here in Walt Disney World, but
2: I wouldn't hold your breath. It'll probably just be a cupcake,
0: and Anna and Elsa, obviously.
2: Yes, it's actually a parade. Ten minutes of just different Anna and (laughs) Elsa's in different costumes and different situations.
1: That's something else. If I ever saw Prince John, I'd probably be a little embarrassing.
2: (laughs) Trying to lose control, just lose control
1: a little bit. Uh, Yeah, he's kind of one of my favorites. Yeah, well, he was there. Him and Scrooge McDuck, if I saw them. Um, my Disney fix comes in the way of some news, and I, I guess I'm a little, I guess I'm a little um, behind on this because this is already happening. Just scrolling through my news feed that I get here on my little Google Cards um, deal on my phone, I saw an Orlando Sentinel article concerning the virtual queue system. That is already being tested in Walt Disney World water parks, namely, um, I think it's only been tested at Blizzard Beach. I'm not sure though. The article is written by Duane Bevel, and I'm just going to read it because it's only about two paragraphs long, and he can say it better than I can. Uh, Walt Disney World may be dipping its toe into a virtual queue system at its Blizzard Beach and Typhoon Lagoon water parks. The resort began testing a reservation procedure for select attractions on Tuesday. This was at the end of March, so that would have been early April when they were began testing. The experiment will last into early April, according to various internet reports and several Disney World cast members. On Tuesday, a skip-the-line option was offered to guests only at the downhill double-dipper slide of Blizzard, Blizzard Beach. The passes later may come to water parks Slush gush, & and Gusher and Summit Plummet, plus the new Misadventure Falls at Typhoon Lagoon. On Tuesday, the procedure resembled... One of Disney's old-school Fast Pass attractions, visitors arrived at the base of the Double Dipper and were given the option of receiving a 15-minute time frame to return. This this gets weird. They're just testing. The time was printed on a card with a rubber band attached for putting around guests' wrists. At the appointed time, riders returned to the attraction to ride. The card warned that there could be a moderate wait, which (laughs) I think that's funny. The service was included with park admission. Uh, it's not connected to the Magic Bands and could not be made digitally through the uh, the app uh, as of yet. Again, this is just preliminary stuff going on. Now, this all comes as Universal Orlando's Volcano Bay Water Park, which will open in May, will have a virtual queue that features a wearable technology called Tapu Tapu or Tapu Tapu. I think the Tap part is the is the play on the words there, though. Uh. That will alert visitors as to when it's their turn to ride. The first official use of the virtual line on Universal Property, uh, it says will be, but has already been debuted, at the highlight attraction of the year, Race Through New York, starring Jimmy Fallon, which which the grand opening was in early April. So, um, again, this is just, uh, obviously they've, they've begun testing at the water parks, and it sounds like you just go up and you get this little thing like an old school Fast Pass card that attaches to a rubber band. From what I understand at Volcano Bay, though, this is going to be like something that comes with park admission that you wear, almost like a magic band, that you go up and you tap up the various attractions, and then you go and do whatever, and you're called back for your time to ride. Now, what I found most interesting about this is what it might signal for the future. I mean, if they're already doing this kind of thing at Jimmy Fallon's, that Jimmy Fallon ride in a theme park, it seems like Disney's not going to be beat out by Universal. I don't know. I could see in the future sometime this going beyond water parks and going to the theme parks. And let's just cross our fingers. Maybe I'm thinking too backwards here, but I would love for this to be a part of the theme park experience. Maybe not at every attraction, but it may be some of the big ones where you go in and... and, and like getting an old school fast pass, only you tap your band, like we've said many times. Go tap your band, receive your time, and then, or just make it online. I don't know. What do you guys think about virtual lines? Especially given the fact that there could be a moderate wait when you return.
0: The thing about the Jimmy Fallon ride, they call it queueless, But from what I understand, you still have to wait in the holding area, but you're not necessarily in a single file line.
1: Yeah, uh, Brent, um, Brent Gleason, who is a listener, and uh, we had dinner with him a few a few weeks ago. He had actually gone to Universal and said that the attraction was horrible, which it looked horrible online. But he said the queue was fun, but it is like you're in the building and you're stuck in the building. You're assigned the color on the peacock, and when that color highlights, you get to move forward to different rooms and they have some different entertainment and stuff, but. Yeah, I mean, it's like you're still having to sit there and wait. But it sounds like with the water parks, it says you can go shop and eat and do all kinds of things.
0: Right. I I would be hesitant to add this to the other parks because, like, I think the best you're going to get is the Jimmy Fallon experience where you still have to wait in this area. Kind of like when you get a pager at a restaurant, you know, it's like you can only walk so far. I think that's the best you're going to get. But for a water park, it does make a lot of sense because I hate standing in a line at a water park, and you dry off in the hot sun. And then as soon as you go down the slide, like, it's freezing all over again because you're dry. or the ground is hot. Uh Uh-huh.
1: Well, they do a good job of keeping the ground kind of spritzed at the Disney parks, but I like the idea.
0: It kind of reminds me of Dumbo, to be honest.
1: Well, that's what I thought. In Dumbo, you get a literal pager. Like, you're at Panera Bread or something, they give you a little... Pager, you go play in the playground and they buzz you when it's your time to go. Which I'm thinking this thing, at Universal, actually does vibrate or something on your arm. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. I'll be interested to see where they take it from here. Yeah. Sounds
1: like in the future, they, well, I don't know. Maybe at the water parks, they won't go into detail as far as putting it on the app and making it programmable. And I don't know. But you never know. Disney, they've already gone down that rabbit hole far enough. Maybe they'll keep on going.
0: Yeah, well, I feel like at this point they spent so much that they're still trying to justify the cost of the Magic Bands. And like, but look what you can do now. Well, here's the thing. It's like, I think that technology is wonderful.
1: Maybe this is not in the best use right now. Like, this sounds like it could work out really great if it was, like I've argued for a long time, an old school fast pass system, the day of, but without having to go up to each attraction and get a printed card it's all digital but you still use the magic bands for your food and your key and everything You can still use the technology so i don't know get it together disney
0: Just a reminder, Matt and I will be checking out Yeehaw Bob Jackson's show at River Roost at Port Orleans Riverside next weekend. So if you're in the Orlando area on Saturday, April 29th, and you're not doing anything around 8.30 p.m. or so, uh, come have a good time with us, take in a good show, and uh, just come say hey. Just so wrong. We are happy to assist we need a segment made for this Now it's time for the match
1: every once in a while, we like to fill your music library with some Disney playlists. and we do this by uh, each of us giving three options or three songs that we pick out of a given category uh, that go along with this theme. Our theme this week is, Non Disney songs that are used in the parks. So it, anything that was not Disney property, but is used in the parks. And just to be clear, this could be arrangements that were made specifically for Disney property, it, but the original song itself is not a Disney song. That makes sense, everybody? Yes. See? So we're going to um, give you our top three choices for. Disney Park songs that were not originally Disney songs. Those songs you hear that, you know, it's not when you wish upon a star or Zippity-Doo-Dah, but when you hear them, you're like, ah, Disney World. Or you have Disney thoughts. So Derek, why don't you start us off with your first pick?
0: I'm afraid I'm I'm having some Disney thoughts. I've been having some Disney thoughts lately. (laughs) Uh, My first song is played on Main Street USA. Uh, Main Street USA is filled with Wonderful songs, some from films, some are just classic ragtime tunes. The one I specifically love and adore is from the musical Hello Dolly, and it's Put On Your Sunday Clothes. I love this song yes. so much. I, I really, really love the ragtime arrangement. I don't even know if it's ragtime. It, it's ragtime-ish on Main Street USA. But I also just love the song. I recently watched Hello, Dolly! for the first time, the film. Um, I think it's still on Netflix, so Disney fans, if you've never seen it, check it out. Because I think there are three songs from that film that play on Main Street USA. Um, but it's a, great, it's a great musical that takes place at the turn of the century. She plays a sort of matchmaker. Um, but the song is actually originally from the Broadway version, which opened on Broadway in 1964, starring Carol Channing as Dolly.
2: Carol Channing.
0: I gotta be honest, the the movie version... It's good and a lot of fun and the scene if you're watching it, like a lot of things are happening, but the voice the male voice that you hear at the beginning is kind of annoying, so if you can get past that, I think you'll enjoy it. But that's my first pick.
2: Well, the movie uh, version that song is sung by Michael Crawford, who was the original Phantom.
0: Phantom. Yeah, but... I forget, I forget the character's name, but it starts with, now I feel like an idiot now because I don't remember, but it starts with, like, kind of spoke, sung dialogue, sort of, not necessarily lyrics, but, like... Quaaludes. Yeah. You said yeah. <laughs> I you said prelude, not quaaludes. <laughs> anyway, but he's like,
1: come on, Charlie... That's Broadway, isn't it? Isn't that all Broadway?
2: Ah! I'm offended. Close your eyes and sit. Listen, Barnaby.
1: Listen, Barnaby.
2: Put on your Sunday clothes. There's lots of world out there. Get out the brilliantine and dime cigars. We're going to find adventure
1: in the evening air. Girls in white in a perfume night with the lights as bright as the stars. Put
2: on your Sunday clothes. We're going to ride through the movie The mood version is, is Barbara Streisand, correct? Yes.
0: That was yes. five years after the Broadway musical. But they're both great. This, yeah. yeah.
1: If you just want to hear the song, except for listening to the Main Street Loop, you, it's also the one
0: on Wally right? Yes. Yes. It keeps coming back. In fact, um, when you watch Wally and he's watching it, he's watching the Barbra Streisand movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. Great point.
1: I'm going to hop on to your Main Street train, and I'm going to go even earlier. Now, here's the thing. A lot of those songs, like the one you've selected, actually written in the late 20th century, but it's themed to that era and and the same thing could be said for Music Man and Oklahoma and some of the other ones they use Um, the one that I kept thinking of and mine's also from Main Street the one I kept thinking of I was like what is it and I started singing it to myself like that's it that's what it is I looked it up and it was actually written in 1892 by Henry Dorse and the song is uh, it's called Daisy Bell a bicycle built for two hmm on a uh,
2: bicycle built yeah and that's on that Golden Girls episode
1: yes yes with the uh the little caretaker is there yeah Uh, Daisy Daisy bum 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 bum. that's Main Street USA and Golden Girls so (laughs) you can just tie it all together in a nice little bow
2: I'm half crazy, all for the love of you. It won't be a stylish marriage. I can't afford a carriage, but you'll look sweet upon the seat of a bicycle built for two. Uh, I got way too excited about that. I'm sorry. Yeah. So that's
1: mine that's my first one. Uh, it's odd that I went to Main Street, but that's that's uh, one of those. I hear any of those songs really from Music Man or um, My Fair Lady or not My Fair My Fair Lady. Uh, I don't think so. Oklahoma, I know is in
0: there. Music Man. This one. What's but it's one. What's the one you said? Oh, Meet Me in St. Louis is in there. Hello
2: yeah. Hello, Dolly. Hello, yeah, Dolly. Hello, Dolly. It.
0: Yeah, that's the one I said. Yeah.
1: Um, any of those automatically take me to Main Street.
2: Well, my first pick is like me, big and dramatic. And it comes to us from The Great Movie Ride. And this is my favorite piece of film music, like film score of all time.
0: Jeremy, Uh you came up with the idea for this list just so you could put (laughs) this song on it. Because I know exactly what it is.
2: Well, this song and the next song actually. But this song in particular. Uh it is Terrace theme from Gone with the Wind. And it plays oh, during the My Own uh, True Love. The one I'm thinking of is the Boom 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 Boom.
1: Yeah. My own true love. Yeah. Oh. Da, da 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 Yeah.
2: I just love that that yeah. the way it just builds and just it's wonderful. And I yeah. always think of um, the finale of Great Movie Ride when I hear it as well.
1: The love, a portion, romance portion.
2: Yeah, but even just like that whole like it's a very dramatic piece of music, and yeah. then when you are showing like these clips of these blockbuster Hollywood films it yeah. definitely supports that kind of big dramatic feel yeah. so
0: it's an epic romance like you, you're you not listening to that tune unless it's the most climactic epic scene of a film you know a tune like that
2: definitely yeah. so I just love it it's good
0: mm-hmm. it's good number two on my list is over in Hollywood Studios if you're uh-huh. standing what don't steal this. Oh. Go ahead. I won't <laughs> let you finish. Okay. If you're standing in the queue for the Tower of Terror... Okay, good. Okay. Yeah, there you go. So if you're standing in the queue for Tower of Terror, obviously they play a lot a lot of 1920s, 1930s, 1940s big band songs. Most of them are sort of bluesy. Um, and I actually think what Disney has done to them is... Like, really amped up the echo.
1: Yeah. They're just haunting.
0: Yeah. So so they have more of a creepy feel than if you just opened Apple Music and listened to the song. But my personal favorite song that they play in that loop is called I Can't Get Started. And I looked this up. So the first time anyone heard it, it was sung by Bob Hope in the movie Ziegfeld Follies of 1936. Mm -hmm. The lyrics are by Ira Gershwin.
2: Ah.
0: And the music is by Vernon Duke. The version they play in the queue is by Bunny Berrigan, who was a famous trumpetist and also vocalist. And apparently, this was kind of like his his one big, maybe not one, but his biggest single. Um, it it's uh, I'll just read some of the lyrics and maybe it'll come to you what I'm talking about. He says, "I've been around the world in a plane, settled yes. revolutions in Spain, the North Pole I have charted, but can't get started with you." i've been around the world you're not playing that one that's it yeah
1: da, 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 da. yeah that's a good one
2: i've flown around the world in a plane i've settled revolutions in spain and the north pole i have charted Till I can get started with you
0: And it's so great because the first like 30 seconds are just this trumpet solo and it's so good. It it really like amps up the song and then the rest of the song kind of sounds like if you're watching a movie that takes place in the 30s someone puts the old record on or the, what's it called? Stereophone? Stereophone? Sure. Anyway, Vibraphone. Phono- oh, Phonograph? A Phonograph. That... <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Anyway, they put one of those on. It's a little staticky, and you just picture, like, couples slowly dancing to this song. Yeah. It just has that feel to it. And it also has just enough of that static to give you kind of a Tower of Terror haunted feel. Yeah. It's great.
1: I love it. This is making me happy. That was, um, the echo, it just reminds me, and I think why it's so, like, why is that so dark? You know, why is why is just adding a little bit of reverb on there make it sound so creepy? And I think it's just, you know, it sounds like if you're watching a scary movie and you're in a big empty house and for some reason, those songs are just creepy when a record comes on and they start playing those like Jeepers Creepers or something, yes. you know? And it's just playing in the next room and the echo is there. Yeah, it's creepy. I think all the songs have something to do with like breaking down or like saying
0: goodbye or death or not getting to where you need to go. Yeah, it's all kind of themed that way. I think you're probably right because one of them is Mood Indigo, one of them is Inside This Heart of Mine, and the whole thing is about how it's sunny outside, but inside this heart of mine, it's rainy and cloudy, and I'm sad. And yeah, that's a good point. Um, in case you don't love the Bunny Berigan version, which I do love, um, Ella Fitzgerald did the cover of this song as well. Hmm.
1: Well, my next pick is also from Hollywood studios. I'm glad you didn't take it because it's kind of like right there for you to take. And it is across the street from tower of terror at the rock and roller coaster. Oh no. And as you, as you wait to go into the pre-show and those doors open into the quote unquote recording studio where you see the infamous Aerosmith pre-show, um, Projection thing. The song that has been playing in that place for almost twenty years when you go into the recording studio is "Walk This Way," and it always starts as soon as the doors open. I mean, it just gets that energy going because it starts with the da 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 dum da da Every time I hear that song, I'm I'm just there. Like I associate it with Disney and Rock and Roller Coaster before I even associate it with Aerosmith. And it obviously predates that attraction by twenty or ten ten or fifteen years. 20 years, maybe. I don't know when Walk This Way was recorded. Late 70s, maybe. So, I mean, it's it's that. Every time the door's open, and it just gets you going, ready to go for the attraction.
0: That's so true.
1: Plus, I love classic rock, and that's I mean, <laughs> one of the classics.
2: You're the only guy I know that's still holding on to that mullet. I know, right? No, that is good. I like uh, Aerosmith. I also like... Um... I mean, I'm just, I'm not a, I wouldn't say I'm an Aerosmith fan, but I definitely can get into their music. And, uh, I really like how they use Love in the Elevator, um, mm. or Love in an Elevator, whatever the title is, and the attraction. And they kind of tweak it a little bit to fit the, uh, the Hollywood Studios attraction there. So,
0: yeah.
2: Love in a roller coaster. My next pick is, uh, I can't. I always get these confused. It used to be at Epcot and now it's in Tomorrowland or it used to be at Tomorrowland and now it's in Epcot. Either way, it's been in those two parks.
0: This does not count. This was written for Epcot.
2: No, it was not.
0: Are you for real? Because I this was another song that I thought Jeremy put this on his list or Jeremy created this list for this reason.
1: Oh, uh, I know what you're doing. Yeah, it's not. It was some. It's some Japanese composer, isn't it? Well, go ahead and say what it is first. I, I think I know where you're going. Uh,
2: it is behind, behind the, the waterfall. waterfall. Yes, and it's by um, Lands and Spear, David David Lands and Paul Spear. Definitely not Japanese names. No, but um, <laughs> they are contemporary, uh, like new age, new jazz kind of uh, musicians, and they. Um, did not write this for the Disney parks because this song was actually released in the late 80s uh, on just one of their CDs and uh, but to me this is the most relaxing song in the world. I hear this song and instantly the stress leaves my shoulders mm. I go to a happy place and I'm just at peace with this when I hear this song it just takes me to another level and so I love it and if you if you just need to take a little time to find the magic in every day and you're having difficulty with that you just turn this song on and, and you'll be, you'll be happy.
0: That kind of makes me sad I just always assumed it was Epcot original music there's a lot of the Epcot music. I, I said Japanese. I wasn't just
1: throwing that out there. <laughs> when, you, If you ever do like a Spotify or Google, you, you're trying to find like a Disney World playlist or something that somebody out there has put together. There's some that include a lot of those Epcot songs that you hear and you know from Epcot, like maybe some of the Illuminations pre-show music and stuff. And it's not, it wasn't written for Disney Parks. I think that is a, a Japanese composer. At least the album has Japanese like artwork on it, but yeah a lot of those songs over there were for something else entirely that just got roped in there
2: well this song in particular it has like a tribal feel to it yeah. but it's it's like a it's like a futuristic tribal feel but yeah. without sounding metallic aha
0: honestly behind the waterfall is the most appropriate. Perfect title for this song because it really is like the whole world's on the other side of this waterfall, but I'm here in my cave by myself just listening to the water fall. It's
1: like kimosabi, it's the year 3021, uh, but still take your wooden spear behind the waterfall.
0: Mm. That's exactly what it's like. Was that a haiku?
2: <laughs> Am I what? on drugs? Because I don't know what's going on. <laughs> And
0: we're back to the Quailids.
2: <laughs> I was I was given
1: a scenario to your description of the song being tribal but futuristic tribal but not metallic. Oh, okay. I was like, "What?"
0: I was with you. I was with you. Well, Matt, it's funny that you mentioned the Illuminations pre-show music because for my third pick, I will be taking us over there. The torches have been illuminated. It's dark. The crowd is getting amped up for this fireworks show that is about to start. And of all the songs that play in this loop, my favorite, I obviously had to look up because, first of all, they don't announce, and next, we're playing. And second of all, who in their right mind would just know these songs? Um, I shouldn't say that because someone out there does. But the artist is Havia, H-E-V-I-A. His main instrument is a Spanish bagpipe called the Asturian gaita. Asturias is like an area in northern northwest Spain, I guess. And it does look like a bagpipe with a twist, I guess. Like if you saw it, you'd be like, "That kind of looks like a bagpipe, but it's not a traditional one." But the song is called—I'm gonna butcher this—Busindra Real, I think. Bus- Busindra Real. And I'm just going to play a little bit for you guys because there's really no way for me to describe it.
1: It's that celtic one with like the
0: world rock rhythm going on in the back that's a really good description of that actually and yeah. later on they they add in drums and it just like it's just it just gets your heartbeat going almost it's so amped up and it's just happy it's joyful yeah but it's
1: like 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 a like a rave joyful
0: yeah, kind of. Like, it's joyful with an undertone of something's coming. Yeah. And maybe it's just because I associate it with standing by those torches waiting for fireworks, but still, yeah. that's what it, that's the vibe I get oh, it's from it. good.
2: Am I the only one that, or do you guys do this as well, do you feel extra bougie in things when you listen to, like, Epcot music? Like, when I listen to Epcot <laughs> music, I'm like, I am so... Are we so talking sad? about, like, this song or, like, imagination? Just, <laughs> <laughs> oh well okay but like i'm talking about like world showcase music like i'll be listening to it and i'll be like i'm so cultured
0: oh totally yeah i feel like i should be eating like scones and yes i listen like...
1: to the Morocco loop and there's like goat noises in the background i'm like this is i have arrived <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway b-u-s-i-n-d-r-e and then the second word is real r-e-e-l check it out it's good
1: I like that other one in there. i might getting my loops mixed up because they've changed them a few times.
0: Yeah, they have. And then, but then sometimes like they mix them. Like there was an old one and there's a newer one. But sometimes I hear back to back a song from the old what one. Well, I'm
1: thinking of have had it like a straight up like rave techno. Dun, dun,
0: dun, 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 dun. And at some point. I'll have to, I'll have yeah, to find have to it. it. The one I always think of is the flute battle. The da, 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 da. Oh, yeah. Da, da,
1: da, 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 da. <laughs> That's it. We, we know can, these things. We
0: can battle it out right here if you want. Yeah.
1: So for my third pick, if we go to Soren in the queue, you hear lots of ethereal... Uh, ethereal's the wrong word. That sounds flighty. Um, like, when you think of Flight and Soren and the Jerry Goldsmith score that goes with Soren, these songs fall right in line with that. And some of them might sound familiar to you, and it's because they come from a lot of non-Disney movie soundtracks. And one of my favorite ones that is used is the main title or the main theme from the movie Contact, um, written by Alan Silvestri. And this is one of the great—I could say all the songs in this queue, but this is one of the greatest just main title— Beautiful soaring uh, themes. Uh, soaring themes in film history. The movie, not so great. I mean, it's like Helen Hunt and Matthew McConaughey, right? And it's about finding aliens no, that are actually in heaven and. Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. I was close. Um, <laughs> but th- this song, like I said, any of the songs in there, but this is one of those that I have. And almost like that movie, just because the music, because the music takes me to Soren. Yeah, I, uh, it's a beautiful piece of music. Contact the main title. The whole soundtrack is good, but the main title is the one they use in the Soren cue.
0: That is has really good music. And it is funny how they picked songs from all sorts of genres of movies. And yet every single one does have a sort of like aviation feel to it. Like you're about to board a rocket and take off with other astronauts. It's weird.
2: All right. Finish these lyrics. Ready? Once I built a tower up to the sun. Brick and rivet and lime. Once I built a tower, now it's done. Brother,
1: can you spare a dime?
2: Very good. Yes, that is from the American Adventure. It's uh, sung outside the gas station during the Great Depression, and it's Eric always sleeps through this. That's why I didn't know it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh
0: For some reason, I thought you were talking about. It's from Five. It's from Five. Will goes west. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that the American Adventure?
2: Uh, <laughs> no, that's an American tale. Because uh, <laughs> I
0: was like, okay, but where is it in the parks? I mean, you're strike two tonight. American Adventure and
1: Launchpad. You're strike two. Oh,
0: no.
2: Um, no, but I like this song and another Golden Girls reference. Remember I when? was going to say in the homeless
0: shelter. <laughs>
2: in the homeless yeah. shelter, they play this song as well. Um, Which
0: song is it?
1: In it's the like, Great Depression scene outside the gas station. Oh, that's one of the best scenes in that whole thing too. That storm's rolling in. They're out there with the old Coke machine, talking about it, and FDR comes on the radio. I'll spare
2: you a dime. Buy two of my apples.
0: <laughs> you keep the change. The Pilgrim song is way better than that one. Well, yeah, but that was uh, written for the
1: attraction.
2: Uh, I think that, it yeah. was. This is like, yeah, it was
1: written by the same guy who wrote Canada.
2: This song is an old Americana. St- Standard, you know, you yeah. trace it way back to the Depression, and uh, there's actually several good versions of it. Um, I have a version by George Michael, uh, <laughs> which is a very rare, random, <laughs> like, so like, random. <laughs> um, but he he re- released a song, uh, an album, a couple years ago of like all these old kind of American songs or whatever. But uh, yeah, that's I like right it. after I want your sex. Don't you remember,
0: they called me Al It was Al all the time Say, don't you remember, I'm your pal
2: Brother, can you spare a dime? But anyways, uh, yeah, so, and and every time I hear it, I, of course, I think of the American Adventure at Epcot. And that song, it, it, I mean, that attraction has good songs in it. I, I don't know if uh, all those songs are originally written just for the attraction or if some of them are for...
0: Two Brothers. <laughs> I can uh, tell you. <laughs> that song is so corny.
2: Oh, I, Corny? I think the
1: rendition is what you find corny, but that one is not written for the attraction. No, that was it, an, a folk song, right? Yeah,
0: because I feel like I just watched a TV show not that long ago that referenced it. Have I told
1: y'all about the random? Is it the Mumford and Son? Mumford and Son's band that does a? I think they did that a cover of that.
0: Hmm. Oh, right. Really? I'll have to check that out.
1: It's yeah. either Mumford and Sons or the Civil
0: Wars. Because what's the line about a cannon? Cannon don't pay no money. Oh, Cannonball
1: don't pay no.
0: Money. I hate that line.
2: <laughs> it's so you're so cold-hearted. You are. It's, if somebody died, Derek, gosh. No, I think
0: I'm the opposite. I think like that's not paying as much respect as it should be to people who lost their lives to cannon. Cannonball's cruel. I don't care if you're gentle or kind.
1: Mm. I always think of the uh, the Family Guy reference where. Peter references the Siamese twin brothers that were in the Civil War on opposite sides and <laughs> the one says I'll secede and he says no you won't and shoots him and then the, the Union soldier he's at the bar and there's a skeleton hanging off the side of this. he says that was not well thought through
2: <laughs> buddy can you spare
0: On today's show, Hot Topics, we want to talk about some of the news items that have been announced lately or within the last couple of years that have Disney fans all abuzz. And we're gonna specifically talk about the ones that are kind of divisive and have fans completely split down the middle. Some are completely for these things and some are starting to question the direction disney is going in certain areas and i think you'll understand more what i mean once we dive into these but we're going to start by talking about some of the confirmed news of the last few years um that have sort of divided fans and have um, people online giving their own opinions and they don't always agree and then we're going to end with some rumors things that are likely to come but are not necessarily guaranteed and these also have been quite polarizing for the Disney fan community. And of course, we're going to give our own take as well as hopefully share some pros and cons of each of these news items. So to begin, we're going to talk about some of the confirmed things that have created debates among Disney fans. And the first one I want to talk about are, or rather is, this theme of adding new lands to parks, theme parks in general that are entirely themed to one intellectual property. And I think we could probably agree that this began with Hogsmeade in Wizarding World of Harry Potter at Universal. And then later came Diagon Alley in Universal Studios. And since, I think it's hard to deny that Pandora was a direct response to Hogsmeade. This was sort of our property I mean it wasn't Disney, but this was our way of saying, well we're gonna do the same thing, totally immersive to where you feel like you're immersed in the environment from one film, Avatar. Yes. And then of course since then we've announced Star Wars Land, Toy Story Land. There are rumors that the new Guardians of the Galaxy attraction in Disney California Adventure is just the start of a whole Marvel land over there. Um so I, I think this trend is is here to stay for at least a while.
1: Yeah. Hey, I have a question about the Cars Land. When did that open? 2012?
0: Yeah, you're probably right. I totally forgot about that one.
1: Well, yeah, that, I mean, I don't know if that was a direct response to this, because that was kind of already going. Harry Potter opened in
0: 2010? 2000, yeah, I I think you're right, 2010. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, when was Cars Land announced? That might have been, like... I don't know. But I'm guessing Harry Potter was announced before Cars Land was announced.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would say um, I'm neither for nor against it. My initial reaction when, you know, the thing started to kick up after the original Wizarding World of Harry Potter and then all this stuff came floating down the line um, and the Disney rumor chain concerning Star Wars Land and 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 Carsland was built, you know, in the whatever early 2010s sometime. Um my initial reaction was positive. Like this is this is the way capitalism should work. This is the way businesses in competition with each other should work. One person ups the game, the other one has to up it, and we benefit as the consumer from each company trying to outdo each other, but they're also benefiting. And it's wonderful. It's a wonderful little Symbiotic relationship between the company and the consumer so I'm all about it if it means that we keep getting wonderful immersive attractions and lands now I can see where people say well but you're but you're limiting yourself so when you have a Star Wars land or you have a cars land you don't have as wide or as um, diverse a palette as let's say you have just adventure land. And you can put any number of things in there. Or Frontier Land, the way we you know the Magic Kingdom is, or even something like uh, Animal Kingdom currently, where it's whole continents, you know, what all could go into Africa and Asia and Dinoland. And you kinda do pigeonhole yourself in a land. I mean, what future expansions are gonna come to that, that singular huge area because Star Wars land is gonna be humongous. It's gonna be like half the size of Hollywood Studios as it is. So, I don't know, there's pros and cons. I think we benefit more than it hurts,
0: but I think this is where theme parks, especially in Orlando, are to stay for a long, long time. Yeah, that's a good point about expansions. I mean, think about Cars Land. They had three attractions when it opened, and one just wasn't working. Like, it wasn't working out, so they decided to replace it, and... Obviously, when they went back to the drawing board, they knew it had to be something Cars-related, whatever they replaced it with. Yeah. And even that attraction, like, I think people like it, but I don't know if anyone loves it. But at this point, it's like, well, what else are we going to do?
2: Well, it's, it's interesting to me, when you look at the spectrum of IPs. So let's just, for the sake of argument, say you have on one end Avatar Land, which at this point is just one film. I mean, I know there's, there's sequels apparently coming down the pipe, but you have one film right now. Then you have something like Cars Land in the middle, where you're, you have two films and, and a third film coming soon. And then on the complete other end, you have Star Wars, which now is up to seven, almost eight films. Well, eight films, almost nine films now, uh, if you include Rogue One. Plus you have television shows and all this. So the hard part, I think... The, the the land that's going to suffer the most is the ones that are in the middle, the Cars land, because there's enough material that you can't really go outside of the of the storylines, but there's not enough that you can start exploring other aspects of it. Whereas with Star Wars, yeah, you have um, you have things that are like canon, you have things that are very strict and rigid storylines and plots and beloved characters. But you also have a lot of extended universe areas where if you wanted to throw in some parts of Star Wars land that are specific to Disney parks, you you could kind of get away with that. Like if they, you know, I'm thinking like 50 years down the road when Star Wars may be a little stale, but they, you know, there's still always going to be a, a fan base there. You could do something like they did with Episode 7 where you create a new planet and this planet is only available at. Hollywood studios, you know, if you want to visit and see the characters that are unique to that on the other side of the spectrum with Avatar, since it's only one film, you also kind of have that freedom of you can take away the Avatar and have a really cool land that is Avatar esque without actually being Avatar. Um, should they, they ever could, decide yeah. to to strip it. So I think it's those properties that are in the middle that are going to suffer the most. I think Toy Story Land is going to suffer if they're not careful.
0: I was just thinking that. Star Wars Land makes sense because, like Harry Potter, I mean, almost everything in Star Wars feels like something we don't have here. You know, it's different planets. It's They have droids and they have alien creatures. Like, everything feels like a totally different world. But Toy Story Land, like, those movies take place in our world it's yeah. just on a smaller scale, you know? Well, I think the
1: benefit Star Wars has over Harry Potter is that like you're saying it's they can keep reinventing Star Wars even outside the films, right? Yes. Like they even like they did with Star Tours, inventing droids and things and it they can make it seamlessly fit into the park even if it's not part of the movies at all. Mhm. Uh, you can't do that
0: with the Harry Potter at all. Well, you can, but be- JK Rowling would shut you down.
1: Yeah, but you're but you're you're kind of stuck with I mean, you're stuck with those characters and those places. You can't just say, "Well, this is going to be a fictional planet somewhere." Um, you have Diagon Alley, you have Hogsmeade, and that's that's it.
2: That's what I'm that was my point about Carsland as well. Like if they wanted to do something new in Carsland yeah. and they tried to introduce, you know, uh, you know, Bob the construction truck or whatever, everybody's going to be like, this guy. He, he's not in the movies. I, I
1: almost he's... think you could probably get along away with that with cars.
2: You think it's just fictional enough that they could, you know, fantasy enough?
1: Well, I mean, the cars you ride in Radiator Springs are just, they're just cars with eyeballs, right? You're not riding
0: Lightning McQueen or... And the newest attraction are, quote, Luigi's cousins, which are not in any of the films, you know?
2: Okay. Well, they'll probably be in a Pixar short eventually. So. <laughs> yeah,
0: you're so right. <laughs>
2: The geese. Uh, the thing
1: about IPs, I think, that is that tells us this is what's going to be here for a long time. You think back to, like, Expedition Everest. Arguably the first major attraction that came with an expansion to, like, a whole entire area that was immersively themed and stuff. But it's not tied to anything that draws people and draws money necessarily. I mean, there was a big crowd, obviously. But nothing like the Harry Potter universe or star wars universe is going to bring and i think that's what we're going for now is that grand opening lines out the door seven hour waits just to get into the park that's the future of these these theme park expansions and only ips can bring that kind of crowd that is true
2: do you think it's because of the over saturization of entertainment in our culture oh my meaning but what i'm saying is think about back in the day you could draw people with just a roller coaster now you can't really draw people people want to be drawn by being immersed in their storylines not just for a thrill
0: I think that's Disney's mindset I think it's like oh well now we've introduced these immersive environments we have this is what the fans want which is great but like think about beastly kingdom which I think we've talked about on our show that was gonna be a whole land in animal kingdom totally original, themed to basically mythical creatures that don't really exist, you know, um, dragons and unicorns and all sorts of stuff like that. And then they it just it just never really got off the ground. I don't think anything like that could happen today. Because I think no. like you said, Matt, for money purposes, they would always choose a known IP over something like Beastly Kingdom.
1: I mean, look at they're gonna generate, they're gonna with social media, and you know, I was thinking back to Expedition Everest. That, I mean, it was 2006. I mean, there was Facebook and MySpace and stuff, but it wasn't like it wasn't like it is today, where you can, well, you could in a sense. It was a completely different scenario. I learned about Expedition Everest in like 2004, 2005 from an old school Disney magazine. And I was like, oh, they're building a new attraction. And it wasn't until like 2006, 2007 that I found out about websites and podcasts and people that keep you up to date every single day on news and rumors. So they have the the ability now to keep you on edge and waiting for these things like Avatar Land for, what's it been, like five years? Four
0: years at least? Uh, at, At least, yeah.
1: And then Star Wars Land is two more years yet. And I know it's been two years since they announced it this May. So that'll be four four years in the making. Uh that's just a completely new thing that those IPs give you that an Expedition Everest or Beastly Kingdom or even like a Pirates of the Caribbean attraction is not gonna not gonna ever do again.
0: Yeah, it's true. Well only time will tell what other IP themed lands are coming. Uh, But one of the ones we know for sure is coming, that we've already talked about, is Star Wars Land. It opens in 2019 in Disney's Hollywood Studios. Uh, But specifically for our next uh, news topic that has created some debate among fans, Star Wars Land is also coming to Disneyland, the original Disney park in Anaheim. And I think the big debate here is simply, does it belong in Disneyland? It does not. I agree with you wholeheartedly i still i still sometimes wonder what disney was thinking with that i mean i
1: guess they thought we can't put it in california adventure which i don't know why they couldn't and just make it like a yeah but that's
0: what i mean like why couldn't they
1: get rid of bugs land or whatever and put that in there or the raft ride people even like the raft ride the little grizzly river whatever
0: i'm sure it has fans
1: um, I don't know this. When I heard this, I was like, "Yay for Hollywood Studios!" But yeah. my heart breaks for Disneyland.
0: Like, if this went in Magic Kingdom, can you imagine? Like, it would completely throw off the balance of that park. Well, but Disneyland
1: is multiplied. Yeah, that that is multiplied to the hundredth degree to me because that's where Walt. Here you enter the world of yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and all that stuff. This is not. I mean, I know there's the fictional attractions. It's not like it's the real world, but it's based in real-world scenarios. I don't even i don't know how to say it. Yeah, Adventureland and Frontierland and Tomorrowland, they're all based on these things. Then Fantasyland is the kids' area that's devoted to Disney classic attra- uh, uh, films and things. This is just like, okay, okay, so between Frontierland and New Orleans Square and Fantasyland, you've got an entire Star Wars land.
2: All right, let me play the devil's advocate. One, it's going in Disneyland because Disneyland hasn't had an original attraction since what like 2004 and that's fine that's no even l- older than that indiana jones is the last attraction to go into disneyland yeah, right
0: that was 94
2: 94 so there you go also california venture just got a huge overlay and expansion um with uh, cars land and so it, disneyland is due before dca is and second you're upset about Star Wars going in, but Star Wars is already in Disneyland. Uh, now it's yes. not.
1: In Tomorrowland, and even that is, eh. But, but I mean, th- that's that's the way things already are with, with movies being represented inside the lands, but that's different to me. And I don't really, well, listen, I don't think Disneyland needs the help. I don't think that the numbers every year show that Disneyland needs the help in attendance. I think California Adventure could still use some help with uh, attendance annually that is and why not just make that a super duper crazy park over there with star wars and cars and marvel and let disneyland
0: just be disneyland it never is not going to need that much help ever i totally agree even with this huge expansion disneyland still gets way higher numbers than dca ever does and i feel like they're well two more things and I feel like their number one thought was oh it doesn't matter if it doesn't fit people are gonna come cause they wanna see Star Wars that's great but like as a Disney fan I want it to matter to you Disney yeah. higher ups that it doesn't fit like I want that to be important to you and thirdly I don't know how they're gonna manage crowds when this thing opens I don't know how they're gonna do it it's gonna be crazy getting in and out of that land is gonna be insane God help them If they open up another entrance. I I wouldn't blame them if they did. I think there's a parking lot across the street back in that corner of the park. I could be totally wrong. But it would kind of make sense to have a back entrance.
1: I mean, strategy might, logic might tell them to do it. But Walt didn't want it. (laughs) So you can quote, uh, the park is never finished all you want. Walt wanted one entrance and one exit.
0: So... God help you if you do that. I'll come out there with a sign myself. <laughs> Listen, I love Disneyland. It might be my favorite Disney park of the six I've gone to. But I am so glad that our Tower of Terror is staying. And I am so glad that our Hollywood Studios is getting Star Wars Land and not Magic Kingdom. Yes.
2: Yeah, and it's not being converted into Jar Jar Binks' Jar Jar Drop or whatever.
0: <laughs> It'll make your Jar Drop. Jar, 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 jar. drop.
2: (laughs) Misa go ups and down. Wee Another uh, trend that seems to be hotly contested in the Disney community is this recent trend of live-action films being made based off of animated films. Now, this is nothing new. You could even go back to the early 90s when they were making live action jungle book and live action 101 dalmatians uh back in the day but it definitely seems to have picked up a lot more steam within the last uh, i'd say five years with the successes of um, films like maleficent cinderella and now most recently beauty and the beast and uh seems every disney animated film is getting a uh, live action remake all the way down to dumbo which i never thought i'd see the day but Tim Burton, apparently.
1: Winnie the Pooh frightened me the most. Winnie
2: the Pooh, yes! Um, So, what do you guys think? I think I know what you think, but what do you all think about this?
0: You know, I don't even know if I have an opinion. Like, I didn't love Beauty and the Beast, but I'm glad Disney made money. And it doesn't impact at all my opinion of the original film. So, I'm like, that's fine. Keep doing it. Yeah. Um, Is that bad? No, I'm the same way. Beauty and the Beast, I watched it, I enjoyed
1: it. I was like, this is a very expensive, well-produced homage to something that already exists. And I enjoy it for that. And I enjoyed the new songs. Cinderella did not do it for me. I was just like, okay, this is a, a different telling of the same kind of... And I wouldn't even argue that it was a remake. It was a completely different movie to me. Jungle Book... It kind of in between the music was in there. Some of the original score was in there. So I don't know if if they go the direction of a retelling. Like it sounds like maybe the Mulan um, live action is going to be. Not a musical. Uh, I'm kind of more for that than I am just a song by song remake of a musical.
2: Does that make sense? Yeah, but by the way, Disney really quick came out after that Mulan uh, rumor came out and said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! We haven't said for sure that it's not going to be a uh, a musical." They they
0: saw all the Twitter hate and were and backtracked a little bit on that statement.
1: Yeah, well, if they know that Beauty and the Beast succeeded in part because of that factor, it seems like you would say let's maybe keep some of that.
0: Yeah, but you know the I would say the Beauty and the Beast songs are much more iconic than the Mulan songs.
2: It's going to be interesting when they start getting to the live-action that are not fairy tales. Um, Because I feel like fairy tales do well just because they're fairy tales. I mean, there's always going to be an audience for those. So when you start getting to live-action Mulan and and, uh, Winnie the Pooh and those kind of things, if they're going to bring the same crowds as like a Cinderella or a Beauty and the Beast.
0: Yeah, or like, because we've talked about things like Sword in the Stone. I mean, Beauty and the Beast was going to get people to come just because so many people love that animated film, you know? And I don't know if there's a huge crowd of people just begging for a, for more Sword in the Stone.
1: It, it, listen, you know, it depends on how they do it, because I've always thought Disney needs to visit, or revisit, I guess, King Arthur. That's, that's a treasure trove of wonderful stories that Disney could tell better than most people. So, I mean, I'm... I'm I got my fingers crossed for where that one can go.
2: What about live-action Black Cauldron? (gasps) I'm picturing, like, Christopher Walken playing the Horned King. What? (laughs) (laughs) I was just... That's
0: great. No, that
1: could have a wonderful retro sci-fi fantasy feel to it, like Dark Crystal or or something like that, kind of a... Or Labyrinth or something.
2: Yes.
1: Ooh. That's popular these days, like, you know, Stranger Things. and Even that poster for The the Last Jedi is very 80s looking to me. Like, they're going for a little bit of a retro vibe to it.
0: Yeah, I can see that for sure. Yep. So it doesn't really sound like we have a strong opinion either way, but um, it definitely has some people in the fan community rolling their eyes every time they announce an, announce another remake.
1: I think the rolling the eyes part is just like, okay... Which people make this argument, and I guess the argument's there. Like, can't you guys come up with a new idea uh, or original ideas? But, you know, they put out Moana and Frozen, and they're doing really well with those. Disney's actually, in the last couple years, been doing better than Pixar as far as putting out some good, fresh, original animated stories. So I don't think that's necessarily part of it. But there is a part that's like,
0: can y'all not just do something else, do something new and fresh and keep it... Changing Well, yeah, because that's Walt Disney Animation Studios. But what about Walt Disney Pictures, which puts out the live action, you know? Like they do all their really inspirational, motivational sports movies or like the Queen of Cotway and stuff. But those are all based on true stories. I feel like those movies, they always get like people
1: when they watch them, they really like them. It's just about getting people to watch them.
0: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's so true.
2: Listen, I can only watch Kevin Costner play baseball so many times. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. So so anyway, I, I think the I I think you're right, Matt. I think the biggest takeaway is that's fine, keep doing them, but maybe like squeeze in an original film every once in a while. But anyway, that does it for the three news items we wanted to discuss that are for sure happening but aren't necessarily approved of by all fans. But these next items that we're gonna talk about for now are rumors. Some of them might as well be true because of all the sources uh, we've, we've heard from, but some are more speculative. Now, the first one is more about the Disney company. Lately, actually, I think for a while now, but lately this rumor has really warmed up, heated up, I guess. Gained some
2: legs. That's
0: it. And it's the rumor that Apple could be purchasing... Disney so like I said this has been a rumor um, for a little bit of time now but just last week several news sites posted that it was gaining steam on Wall Street this rumor so variety.com a pretty respected respectable source posted an article that said could Apple buy Disney Wall Street revives rumor of mega deal and I don't totally understand everything this article says but go with me for a second it says Apple could potentially find the cash to pull off a $200 billion plus takeover of Disney, creating a company worth one trillion dollars with quote almost limit, almost limitless opportunities in content and technology. Um, so basically they're saying integrating Apple with Disney would allow Apple's technology to be incorporated ah. into Disney's theme parks it would have global streaming sports rights for espn when you combine disney-backed bam tech which i don't know what that is but when you combine that with apple distribution then it says you would have global streaming sports rights which the three of us are super pumped about obviously yeah Yeah. (laughs) um anyway it it does talk about a lot of benefits um it's just I, i guess it's just something that never occurred to me would even be a possibility yeah, Disney is... Disney. Yeah. It says the deal would carry a hefty $237 billion price tag. Good night.
2: There's nothing tangible, though, that I look at and go, oh my gosh, that means we could get... Right. Because there's, like, anything that... I feel like there's already a partnership there. We already have a lot of technology. in. Yeah, the
1: well, and here's the thing from my vantage point. I don't... It's not like I'm anti Apple. It's just I never got into it, so I have an Android phone and I use Google for everything. And this would just be like, I don't know. You know, they'd be trying to. This app would only work on this, and you could get these features with the Apple products, and it would be all over the place. It feel very just. I know they would. It would feel very corporatized, even more than it already is with the you know the Sunglass Hut and Pandora and all that stuff starting to 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 creep in. I don't know. This would this would hurt my heart and I don't even know why. You know <laughs> Disney is Disney. Disney owns companies. Companies don't own Disney. You'd wear your eye band. Oh, I don't know. It'd be terrible. This would be like that the first time you realize that your dad isn't perfect. You know, this that's what this would
0: be for me. Like, oh Disney. You're getting old. I did think this was interesting. If Apple investors balk at the huge price tag, Disney could potentially consider spinning off assets like ESPN and the theme parks to make the deal more palatable. So say you get all the movies and stuff, but we're going to keep the theme parks. I don't really understand it. But I just don't. This would that would be like
1: why my fandom might be hurt a little bit if this happened like. I, it's, it's again. It's not like I'm anti Apple. I would just feel like this is just a corporate sellout, and now I'm just going to be cram holed and pigeonholed into looking and buying Apple stuff all the time at Disney
0: parks. No one wants you to be cram holed Matt.
2: <laughs> I want to be cram holed by Apple. Ah, cram hold in your Apple. What?
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> you know it'd be everywhere. Apple's not going to be subtle. They're not going to be subtle about, you know, it's not going to be like, you don't know that they're there. It's going to be like everything.
2: Little apple bird in the apple tree.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the rumor that to me seems the most unlikely, but I am not by any means some business guru on Wall Street. So who knows? Maybe that's the most likely. Um, The way they make it sound is like it could just happen. I, isn't that crazy? It's like overnight. I mean, is that the way
1: business works? Like they can just they can just buy out all the stocks and they're the sole owner of Disney.
0: Well, I remember when Disney bought Lucasfilm not that long ago. It was like I woke up one morning and it was like, oh, by the way, Disney owns Lucasfilm.
1: Yeah, but that seemed like, hey, can we buy your company? And like Lucas said, yes, you can. We'll we'll do that. <laughs> it's time to it's time for us to move forward with this. That seems like that you know, there's an agreement. This sounds like Apple could just rape Disney and. And we get stuck with the bastard child. <laughs> anyway,
0: uh, next, the next few items on our list are all park-related. This next one, I think, specifically is related to the fact that Walt Disney World is turning 50 in four years. And so there's a lot of talk about Disney really pumping a lot of money into these four parks in Florida and trying to, you know, make exciting things come before 2021 when the parks turn 50. One of the rumors that has just creeped up over the last few weeks is that we might be getting a Tron coaster, much like the one in Shanghai Disneyland. In fact, the rumor is that Walt Disney World and Disneyland both will be getting one of these. Disneyland would go in the place of Innoventions. And while Disney Worlds would go in the place of everyone's favorite attraction, the Tomorrowland Speedway. Oh my.
2: This has I mean, changed. I'm all for, for it. Part. Yes. I'm yeah, yes, we can. I'm excited. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Tron underappreciated uh, franchise in my opinion. Yeah. I I don't think that it ever got the respect it deserves.
1: The um, new I, the, like the new movies
2: yeah, I mean the original Tron is weird. It's hokey, and and you, it's definitely one of those films that when you watch it, you have to keep reminding yourself of the context in which it was made. In, uh, I thought Tron Legacy was good. I really enjoyed it. I I was like one of the 25 in the in the universe, I guess. But <laughs> uh, and then they had the TV series as well, which I never saw. But what was it Tron Uprising? I think was the name of it. The mm-hmm. anime. Um, so there's clearly a fan base for this kind of thing. Um, but I think it's kind of weird to me that you would put this in Tomorrowland when you already have a thrill ride weenie in Tomorrowland.
0: I mean, you already have an indoor coaster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So kind of having two indoor coasters is, is a little strange, but yeah.
0: Oh no. And for me, like we already talked about Star Wars, but if I were putting it in Disneyland, well, the, this. The... The size is not equivalent. But, like, please tell me they're going to do something with Star Tours when Star Wars Land opens. Because to have Star Wars Land in the back left corner and Star Wars in the front right corner, it's like, okay.
1: Oh, yeah. Seriously. Surely they'll just transport... I mean, all all that really is is transporting the simulators over there. They'll probably give it a brand new building and all that stuff anyway.
0: I hope so. There's no talk of it yet. But, anyway. But, yeah, so, I mean... I hear the words, Tomorrowland Speedway might be going away, and I'm like, I don't care what they put there. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Food truck rally. (laughs) Yeah! Ah. Uh, I would support that. Uh, Okay, so the next is something we've talked about, but this really does seem like it's almost guaranteed at this point. We're talking about the gondola system that might be added to Walt Disney World. Um, if you missed the episode, we talked about how um, stations might be built at Art of Animation and Pop Century Resort, a combined station there. There might be a station at Caribbean Beach, um, one at Hollywood Studios, and one at the International Gateway in Epcot. And these would be above ground, hanging, swinging, basically gondolas that would take you from these stations to the others. Yeah, <laughs> Transportation exactly that's how transportation works uh so yeah it just seems like that this is maybe possibly likely gonna happen and the reason is uh places where these stations were supposedly gonna go construction is starting to happen over there and they haven't officially said what the construction is for but it definitely seems like some sort of station
1: i throw out the coronado springs too right they're getting a huge expansion
0: yes that's true yeah
1: with all- Dining and stuff going on there. That's, um, yeah, this is an interesting idea. I'm not going to say like, ooh, I'm super excited about them coming. I am I guess I'm all for a mode of transportation that continually runs, uh, that takes you to various places, not, you know, you have multiple options. But then I'm like, it, I mean, is this going to be, I mean, I guess they've done all the studies to make it efficient.
0: I mean, how many people can you squeeze in one of these things? I think it's like 20-ish. I mean, I know big cities all around the world have really found good use with these. It's almost like a little nod to the
1: skyway. Oh uh, yeah, we see you back there. You did good.
2: To Thank me, it seems it seems like a step in the in the reverse direction. Like, I feel like gondolas are something we would have had in 1970s, huh. and now we're getting this new thing called a monorail, and it's supposed to be sleeker and faster, and it just feels like a weird retro step.
0: I think you might be picturing the wrong type of gondola. Like, have you seen a picture of what they look like now in these cities, like New York and stuff?
2: No, allow me to Google. If I Google New York gondola, will it come up?
0: Uh, probably, yeah. And many times on our show, we've talked about how it's so wonderful that you can use boats or monorail or buses all sorts of different ways, and I think it's kind of cool to have yet another, you know, uh, form of transportation.
2: Oh, no, this is exactly what I'm thinking of, yeah. No, I've, they, they, this was on Impractical Jokers once they did something with these. I, I, I don't know, they just don't look like, they don't look efficient, like Matt said. I, I... I feel like there's going to be long, load times, short amount of, you know, guests getting on there.
0: Well, that would really suck because if they do this, it sounds like it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of money.
2: We'll see. Maybe if Apple gets involved with it, it can be like uh, a little more efficient. There you go. Stop. The next rumor I uh, have only heard about in bits and pieces on the intro web and uh i'm really curious to get the scoop on this one because i find this hard to believe and i find this almost uh blasphemous that they're even considering this and that is the idea that club 33 may be coming to walt disney world so when did this rumor spark i it just all of a sudden kind of popped up
0: it was last okay so i guess this rumor has kind of been around for a while But last week, you know, a couple sites, I guess, had heard even more inside sources say it. And so that's when all the blogs were like, okay, well, let's go ahead and report it. I think it is true because they've released an email that you can send an email to to request more information. So I'm pretty sure this is 100% happening. The email is wdwclub33 at disneyworld.com and they will send you back more information in case you want to become a member.
2: Okay. So this is another trend in which California things like Trader Sam's seem to be making a home in Walt Disney World. This is Uh, a
1: completely different animal to me than that, because this was like, why would this be a thing here?
2: That's my thing is Club 33 is a unique thing in that it was touched by Walt himself and It was. The idea is it's exclusive. It's rare. It's hard to get into. If it becomes just a thing in every park, then, then it. Yeah, who cares? Yeah. Now, am I against having a private club in Walt Disney World? No, but I think you should make it its own sort of uh, unique. Club
1: seventy one.
2: Club seventy one would be absolutely perfect. Like I'm not even kidding. Like you scoff, but like. That would be cool, you know, yeah. to have our own little little club, you know, private club to that go I'd on. That I'd
1: never be a
0: part of.
2: Oh, well, me either, but, well, I'll never say never. You never know. Well, but um, what, Where is this going?
0: There's going to be one in each of the four parks, apparently. In,
2: oh.
1: <laughs> this is like a DVC lounge at this point. That's what this is.
2: Yeah, uh, this is terrible
0: yes i've been trying to decide how i feel about it and that's exactly what it is this this feels like a dbc club but it's going to cost way more money uh, just because something ex- is exclusive like i feel like disney is thinking oh because it's exclusive we can charge as much as we want and it's going to be like something that everyone wants to try but exclusive- exclusivity does not necessarily equal like good value or
1: when everything is exclusive uh, Nothing yet. <laughs> yes,
0: exactly.
2: Well, now, hold on. Does your membership cover all four clubs, or do I have to buy four different memberships? Oh, I'm sure it'll cover four all four.
0: Clubs? Your membership covers all four clubs, but apparently does not also get you into Disneyland's Club
2: 33. See, that? poo poo. No. See, they need to, if they're going to do this, they need to do it right. They need to make it a similar experience but a separate club something like a club 71 or whatever you want to call it it needs to be in one location in the magic kingdom and make it a special unique experience not
0: yeah, it's just weird
2: not these cheap carbon copies it's, it's going to be yeah. the second
1: floor of the imagination pavilion uh-huh <laughs> and Eat safari
2: uh, and animal kingdom <laughs> <laughs> and they're not going to sell memberships, and in a couple years, all you got to do is waive your DC- uh, Disney Visa card, and you'll get a reservation there.
0: That's right. It, it, it's, so, it's so frustrating to me. And part of it is selfish, because you and Jeremy, you and I have been to Club 33, so it's like, no, we, we, we've been to the original. But also, like, that... That's a place in Disneyland that no one goes unless they're going to Club 33, like the upstairs of the New of New Orleans Square. But I feel like wherever they put it in Walt Disney World is going to be in a place where we've already been. Yeah. I mean, I could be wrong, like Wonders of Life. Yeah, exactly. They're going to put it in a place where all guests have been already, but now all of a sudden it's exclusive to Club 33. Uh, it's not special. <laughs>
1: I just think it's weird. I don't. I mean, the special part about it is like, yeah, I'm either here or there for me, but it's just a weird thing. Like, why would you? Why would you want to? Why? Why? That's not something you can duplicate. It's not like Jungle Cruise. Okay, Walt, Walt touched that, and we have our version. That's that's different, but that's not an exclusive.
0: I mean, like legacy kind of. It's like bringing Walt's apartment to Magic Kingdom as well. Be like, this is Walt's (laughs) apartment. Maybe
1: Jeremy could see it then.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it doesn't matter. We're not going to be able to afford it anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe that's why we're really angry. But anyway, so that's the big rumor that was just announced last week. Now, this last rumor, it's kind of a hodgepodge of things. Um, But again, it goes back to the whole 50th anniversary thing. Last year, I think we talked about how, um, was it Bob Iger? Someone said big changes are coming to Epcot. And a lot of rumors have um, sprung up about what those changes might be. And we're gonna talk about three specifically, I don't care what order. One is that Guardians of the Galaxy of some sort is coming to Future World. It might take over Ellen's energy adventure. Um, I think that's really the biggest rumor. It might be some sort of roller coaster, probably not a drop tower. Like they got in DCA. Um, Another rumor is that maybe, just maybe, the old name Epcot Center might be making a return. A sort of nostalgic return to its roots. Um, In fact, I can kind of see those going together because it's like, yeah, we're adding a bunch of IPs. But don't worry for you fanboys, we're bringing back Center. Um, And then the third rumor, um, this is actually pretty new too. I'm sure rumors about new pavilions have been around ever since World Showcase opened, but lately there has been a lot of talk about maybe one of the big changes coming to Epcot will be finally a new pavilion, and the talk is maybe Spain, maybe Brazil.
1: Brazil has been on the docket for,
0: I want to say, at least 10 years. Hmm. Well, I think Spain was actually announced... The opening year, like when they said, here are all the pavilions coming and they only ended up building so many. But I think Spain was one of the ones.
1: The whole Brazil thing was a a little faux pas because I think their press um, secretary or their their um, department of whatever travel or whatever it is, um, like told their press in Brazil basically said we're getting a pavilion before anything was officially confirmed or whatever on on disney's side and it was kind of a little covert cover-up operation i remember it, like, it had to be like 10 years ago and this this all happened so brazil's kind of been dangling there for that long i guess spain if it was but I, hey i I like both of them a brazilian steakhouse in brazil would be great Ooh yeah
2: yeah Hey, I think the exterior would be pretty as well because you could do like a Christ the Redeemer statue yes. but it could Yellible be perched it could be perched on a mountain of backpacks mm-hmm. just I all piled <laughs> up he could have a, a little flag in his hand
0: <laughs> I knew something like that was coming
2: <laughs> and uh, once an hour on the hour he chants
0: a rusted pool in the background <laughs> bring an tra- attraction too though seriously like, whatever pavilion you add, make an attraction. You know that's what we want. I think Brazil's got... I mean, Spain would be great,
1: but, I mean, I, I think Brazil's got a little flair, obviously. I mean, it would it be the only nation represented from the Southern Hemisphere?
2: Ooh, what about Argentina? And then you could do the Casa Rosada, and there could be an Evita show every, mm. every day. <laughs> that's what. That's your only draw. How about
1: Venezuela and you just go in and go to prison?
0: <laughs> I think Brazil could have a cool dark ride through the rainforest.
1: Yeah. Like oh, you mm. throw a waterfall up in there. <laughs> I, that, I'd love that any day.
0: Yeah. And then a steakhouse on the side as you see the boats go by.
1: What's the music? What's the style? What's the, the Brazilian style? Of Samba?
0: Musical? Yeah. Bossa Nova.
2: Bossa I like Nova, that yeah. kind of
0: jazzy.
1: Hmm. What's That's the song? Uh,
2: the girl from
1: uh, girl from Ipanema.
2: Ipan Ipanema, yeah. Ipanema, and yeah. Giselle danced with it at the opening ceremonies. Yeah. Yes,
1: yes, yes. That's where I like that guy the guitar. That was good. You
2: know? um, the Guardians hate it.
1: That was yeah. That would be terrible.
2: Listen, a year ago, a year ago, I would have been like Guardians and Epcot. <laughs> And now I see the tower in California Adventure, and I don't even know anymore. Like, if, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Wouldn't surprise that would me have to all. be
1: the beginning of a whole new direction for Future World, because they could not just put that in there and leave the rest of it as is. It completely loses any connection to the real world. Oh, absolutely. And I think that at that point, they have to overhaul everything. Or they have to somehow strangely tie in Guardians to some kind of real-world energy thing. That would be terrible.
0: There's no logical tie-in.
2: Oh, watch them try. They would be like, we have to harness the power of the crystal, just like Ah. you have to harness the power of oil. Oxygen.
0: (laughs) They're going to be like, the history of communication when we used cassette tapes. And then they'll play all the music.
2: No, I'm just uh, picturing, that, you know, if they take over the, they'll try to keep the energy um, theme, you know, but it's, it's like, you know, Rocky Raccoon or whatever his name is, like, Rocket, taking
0: you, Rocky, Rocky.
2: taking you through time, <laughs> to, to the uh, time of the dinosaurs.
1: That would just be weird. Now, Epcot Center, I'm all for. Now, you know, it's one of those things like I don't even know why. Uh, yeah, Epcot Center. <laughs> I remember we were walking around with Aaron. I think that one day World Showcase and looking around at the different stuff for the that Aaron, our friend Aaron Wallace, um, walking around looking at all those things, and he was pointing out all the places where they had. Was it that they had gone to all caps Epcot? Oh yeah 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 yeah. And he was like, "Look what they're doing! Look at it! Like they're starting to." In his in his theory was they're starting to start using all caps, just kind of slowly incorporating the old school uh, acronym back instead of big E little PCOT that just, that, that doesn't stand for anything. And uh, this could head in that direction. I mean, the retro thing is cool as we've already said many times on this episode, um, that's cool. And Disney's to the point now where they've established such a theme park fan base that they know that they can sell tons of merchandise by tapping into the fanboy market so i'll be interested to see how they they go with that while also incorporating this this uh new scary stuff like guardians of the galaxy
0: yeah i mean the two new the two rumors do seem like complete opposites adding guardians and then adding back the word center but i do think i'm on to something where it's going to be disney's disney's way of trying to cater to both fandoms you know yeah Gosh, I don't want to see Guardians there, but I feel like it does make sense for Disney because lately they've just been like, oh, we need something for this IP. Put it wherever it, whatever park needs it most. I mean, does Spaceship Earth
1: stay the same if you've got a Guardians of the Galaxy attraction in the same land? Does Test Track Mission, mission Space, does it all stay that way if it Guardians of the Galaxy over there? Random Marvel characters? I don't know, in a
0: completely fantastical fictional world on a scale of 1 to 10 with 10 being definitely how likely do you think this is to happen the guardians of the galaxy thing yeah what
1: i in want Epcot, it to be is like a 3 what i think it probably is is a 7
2: oh i'm i'm going to go with a i'm going to go with a hard 6
0: I just don't have a lot of faith in Disney right now with Guardians, so I guess I'm like a 7 or 8.
2: I think it's going to have to do a lot with the reaction to Guardians and DCA.
0: Yeah. I hope this doesn't turn into a Stitch situation where I actually really like the movie, but they keep making really bad decisions by putting it in the parks in bad places.
1: Well, it's like, hey, young people like this movie. Let's use it a lot. Yeah. So young people will like disney won't be relevant uh just the the opposite way you need to go disney stick to your message no mission creep no mission creep in the disney company
0: well those are the biggest rumors we've had and we've mentioned some other ones throughout our time hosting like the great mickey ride in hollywood studios comes to mind but those are the ones we want to talk about because they seem to be getting the most buzz right now in the disney fan community Um, So if you have any thoughts on those rumors or uh, things like Star Wars Land and Disneyland, let us know. And if you're a fan that just trusts Disney completely and doesn't really care about getting into senseless debates, then we totally understand that as well. But you can always send your comments to comments at madchatters.net. You can reach out to us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at Mad Chatters. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.
2: Take a little time to find the magic in every day. Bye-bye now. Oh, you forgot to mention your meetup again.
0: Oh, yeah, you're right.
1: You can plug that in.
2: But just promise me that when you guys, when you're there, just get people, a big group of people together for a picture and just yeah. <laughs> we'll post it. as. No, I'm talking about the like people who are not even there for Yeah, that's you know. right. Everybody, everybody has a picture. <laughs> everybody on. look this way real quick. Here, <laughs> put
0: on this Mad Chatters t-shirt real quick.
2: just smile real quick (laughs) the whole restaurant or whatever that would be awesome i would i will pee myself (laughs) 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 oh my gosh if you could get him and then like just like just make it like a we rented out the whole space for a mad chat event (laughs) that's awesome